Romans chapter 2, we're just going to do verses 12 through 16. We read these last week, and I knew we wouldn't even get to them, and I surely hope I don't mess this up today, but, and I shouldn't, you told me not to say that, but I said it anyway. Um, it's not false humility. Literally, I just want to make sure that what's in my heart gets out, okay? So Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, let's read it, and then let's ask God to give us grace. Would you mind standing? Let's stand and honor the word as I read it. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Now, verses 14 and 15, this is in a parenthesis. Just wanted to highlight that. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they don't have the law. Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. This will take place on the day... When God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares, and the people of God said, huh? <laughs> right? Just turn to the next you and say, I hope Paul can explain that. You can have a seat. When I read that, I also said to God, huh? All right, sometimes, um, anyway, sometimes there are passages and you're like, oh, I see it right there. There's like three points and then we go home. This one is going to be more like, I think there's some themes in here that I want to make sure that I adequately address. Because when you read this, it's like, wait a second, do we need Jesus? Because apparently if we do the things that are in the law, then we're good. Apparently, if we do the things that are required and we obey the law, then we'll be declared righteous. So it looks like I can probably work my way to heaven. So I want to just give you a ton of scripture. Just feel free to jot these down. I'll read them. Just to, I want to make sure that I get two clear points across. Number one, we're saved by grace alone, not works. Okay, so here's a ton of scripture. I read some of these last week as well. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Titus 3, 5. He saved us. We just, I think, feel like we just sang about that, right? He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Romans 3, 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we have become conscious of our sin. Galatians 2.16, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Romans 11.6, and if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, 
grace would no longer be grace. Uh, really quick instruction on how to read the Bible or maybe how not to read the Bible. You have to read the Bible in the context of the whole Bible. So when you come across a verse like verse 13, for it is, it's not those who hear the law who are righteous as in God's sight, but it's those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. We have to remember Paul's writing to the church in Rome. It's made up of Jews and Gentiles. So people that had the law, what we would consider Old Testament, they had that. And that's what they were called to obey and do. But he's also talking to Gentiles who in their, in their religious or even non-religious history didn't have the law. So he's saying, like, if you, if you hear the law, it doesn't mean you're going to be saved. If you do the law, it means that you can be declared righteous. And so we hear that today and go, oh, that's the church people and the non-church people, right? And if it was church people and non-church people, then what that means for you and for me is that being here at church and hearing the law isn't going to save us. And that's a really important word in the South because I know a lot of people that drive their pickup trucks to church every Sunday. And then, like, the rest of the week, there's no fruit in their life that they're following Jesus. And they're pretty sure they're going to go to heaven when they die. And I can't be the one that judges that. That's for God to judge, but we'll know people by their fruit, right? We're not saved because we come to church. I mean, you've probably heard it said, like, Going to church doesn't save you any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, right? I mean, it might make you bigger, but it doesn't make you a hamburger. So we're saved by grace alone, not by works. Here's the second truth I need to get across. We're saved by faith in Jesus alone. He is the only way to the Father. Some verses for that. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hold on one second. Let's keep reading a little bit. That was verse 9, Romans 10, 9. Here's verse, verse 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, everyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So what, what I'm hoping I can accomplish today is I want you to clearly see that the only way to be saved is by trusting in Jesus, not in the works that you and I have done. We'll talk about this. I'll use some examples over and over and over again as we go through this book. But one of my favorite evangelistic um, illustrations is in in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, when it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. A lot of times what people will say is, but I'm better than that person, right? Maybe you've said that. I've at least thought that, right? Well, I'm better than that person, right? Uh, We're watching the movie yesterday, and I'm thinking, like, I mean, I've done some terrible things, but I hadn't done that, right? But God's like, yeah, but, like, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And there's this great illustration that you can use with people, and you just say, like, look, trying to be saved in your own works is like if we could line up all of humanity on the coast of California, and we told them we're going to have a race, First person to get to Hawaii wins. And then you could blow the horn, and everybody jumps into the water. It's like this mad human triathlon, right? And they all start swimming. What are you going to see happen? If you could be above that and watch that, you're going to see a few people, like, not even get in the water because they're scared of water. You're going to see some people, like, doggy paddle for a little bit and then disappear. And surely there are going to be people who are like world-class Olympic swimmers, and they're going to be like, they got the breathing thing going and everything. Like they are killing it. And they might actually swim farther than anybody else, but they're not making it to Hawaii. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. It's, It's unattainable for us by our works. We're only saved through Jesus Christ, period. So a couple of questions that we could be asking about that passage that we just read. How are we to be judged? What about people that never hear about Jesus? Wait, wait. Let's do this. Let's change that for a second. Let's, um, let's have some math fun. I, I really nerded out this week um, because when we start talking about Jesus is the only way to, to God, then we need to have confidence that Jesus is who he says he is, right? And I don't want you to take my word for it. So this is a good time to, like, elbow the person next to you and say, hey, pay attention to this part. This is really important. Like, your eternity rides on this. If we're putting all of our hope in Jesus, is Jesus who he says he is? Is he reliable? Is he actually the Messiah? And I've used this illustration before. I've told you this, like, um, mathematicians, statisticians, they've gotten together. People have run tests. They've done probability tests. And this is stuff that blows my mind, right? But they have figured out that out of their, there's hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament that point to a Messiah. And Jesus fulfilled hundreds of them. But there's, there's like 61 called messianic prophecies that are specifically about the coming Messiah. And so somebody um, 
ran some tests and some whatever, put numbers into a thing and hit a button and got this result, they found out that the likelihood that one random person could fulfill just eight of those. So there's 61, right? But just eight. The likelihood that one person could fulfill just eight of those prophecies is, is one and one followed by 17 zeros. Is your mind, like, blown right now? So I need to visualize that, right? And so Josh McDowell, way back in the day, he did a good job visualizing it. He said the likelihood of that would be like this. If you could take a bunch of quarters and dump them in the state of Texas, and if they were two feet deep, the entire state of Texas covered in quarters, two feet deep, pick out one of those quarters, mark it with a red X, throw it back in, get a big giant stick, and stir up the entire state full of two-foot quarters. And then blindfold one man or one woman and tell them they can walk as long as they want, as far as they want within the state of Texas, but they only get one chance to bend over and pick up a quarter. The likelihood that they would pick up the quarter with the red X is the same likelihood of a man randomly fulfilling eight of the messianic prophecies. So then this same guy, because he's nerdier than me, decided, I don't know why he picked 48, but he was like, well, what about if somebody could fulfill 48 of those? Just let's just add 40 and see what would, the, what would the likelihood be that one person could randomly fulfill 48 of the Messianic prophecies. So it went from a one in, one, chan, one in one with 17 zeros to one in one with 157 zeros. I'm like, is that, so if, the, if it's the state of Texas in quarters, does that mean it's now the whole country in quarters? So I start like, I'm nerding. I, Wendy was probably taking a nap, but I'm like, okay, so like Texas is 268,596 square miles. How big is our country? It, and when I, like, Texas is 7% of the area of America. So that's not even close, right? Like one with 17 zeros and one with 157 zeros. Like how what do we need to cover with quarters to really grasp the possibility that one man could randomly fulfill 48 prophecies? So then I go, like, how big's the sun? And it's huge. And then how big's our planet? And it's not as big as the sun, but, you know. And I start going through it, and here's what I found out. Holy cow, y'all. To, to, to represent Texas with quarters for eight prophecies, what would be the likelihood that one man can randomly fulfill 48 messianic prophecies you would have to cover our planet every other planet in our solar system and the sun hundreds of times with quarters let somebody get in a rocket ship and tell them they can fly anywhere they want as long as they want for and then get out i guess with a mask bend over pick up one quarter the likelihood that they would find the quarter with the X is the same likelihood that one man could randomly fulfill 48 of the prophecies. Jesus fulfilled all of them. I got to thinking about the dumb things that we do based on odds. And we were watching that, you know, watching Sound of Freedom yesterday. Um, my kids are grown, but if I was, my kids were smaller and we watched that movie, um, I would have walked out and my kids would have been latched right here, right? Um, the whole, like, who lets their kids just go outside and play with no supervision? 
Nobody. Do you know there's a 1 in 300,000 chance that your child will be kidnapped? <laughs> Parents are like, really? It's that bad? I'm not knocking, like, it's, it's a tragedy, but it's 1 in 300,000. And we keep our kids close. We don't want to risk that. The, the Mega Millions lottery is over 300000 now. I saw that. I'm excited for whoever might win it. It won't be me. I don't have a ticket. The likelihood of winning that jackpot is 1 in 312 million. It's basically one, like, that's about the population of America. So it's like they just stood up and went, like, we're going to just put everybody's name in the hat and pull one out. The likelihood that you would win and yet people still play the lottery. Like, y'all, we hedge our bets all the time. We think we can overcome odds. We can still win when there's no chance of winning. And yet when it comes to eternity, we're willing to risk our eternity on maybe there's another way. Just to flip it around, and if you're a mathematician and I'm getting this wrong, feel free to interrupt me right now. When I say that the likelihood that Jesus could fulfill 48 prophecies is one in one with 157 zeros, what that means is the likelihood that he is who he says he is is 99.9 with 159 more nines percent. And you're doubting? Seriously? He is who he says he is. And he's the only way to the Father. And we're not sure that God wants us to step out of our comfort zone to tell people about him? He's the only way. The greatest risk anyone can ever take is writing off what Jesus says about who he is and what he can do and hope that they find a different way to God. There's not. Here's what I want to leave you with today. Number one, our world is confused. Christians are confused. There are Christians who want to practice Zen more than they want to practice the peace of God. And Zen's not going to get you to heaven. Buddha's not getting you there. Muhammad not getting you there. And we don't know what to tell people about that. Because it's so ingrained in our culture. But when Jesus says he's the only way to the Father, it means that our interaction with people who are practicing other religions, trying other ways to get to God, our interaction with them should be like, you're hungry too? You're searching too? I'm, Because I believe this. There could be tons of paths to Jesus. But he is the door that we must come through to the Father.
How do I know that? Well, Paul wrote this letter, and he killed a lot of Christians. And guess what he was pursuing? Truth. And that led him right to Jesus, who I think knocked him off a donkey, right, or something. Knocked him off of his four-wheeler in the south. I know of stories, I've read stories of people that um, are in the Middle East, follow Islam, who Jesus met them in their dreams, right? I wrote this down, all men will be judged and rewarded impartially, we know that, based on what they did with what they were given. We just read this, right? They were, we're going to be judged based on what we've done with what we've been given. The Jews were going to be judged based on the law because that's what they were given. Gentiles were going to be judged based on the light because that's what they were given. They would obey the law even though they didn't have it. It's kind of like we can argue all day long about the lack of morality in our culture, but there's not, I don't know if, and some of you might know more from missions, but I don't know of any culture in in the world that celebrates and thinks murder is good. There's a morality on our heart that's supposed to point us to a greater reality. And so when we respond to the light we've received, the goodness of God is he provides more light to lead us to Jesus. This is why the worst thing we can say sometimes to people that are really searching and are having honest conversations is like, you're just wrong. They might be coming to wrong conclusions, but I would rather say, like, let's keep talking. Let's keep talking about the search you're on because it's going to lead you to Jesus. Doesn't mean they'll be saved. That's a choice of the heart and the will, right? But it does mean that he's he's going to show them who he is. Unless he doesn't. And that's how we're going to end today. Because what we could do is say this. Well, I love that, Paul. People are searching, and as they respond, God gives them more light. And as they get more light, eventually they're going to meet Jesus. And so we don't have to evangelize. Score! Right? All the introverts are like, whoo, glad we don't have to do that. But Paul says, the same Paul that wrote Romans chapter 2 is also the same Paul that wrote Romans chapter 10. We won't be there for quite a while, but I'm just going to give you a sneak peek. He wrote this in verses, chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Some people don't like feet. I get it. They're kind of weird, slimy, hairy, whatever. But let me ask you this question. Do you have beautiful feet? I knew when I thought it.
I think of the woman. <laughs> I think of the woman caught in adultery, thrown to the ground, hearing men grab rocks, knowing that she was about to die, and then things got quiet, and she sees some man riding in the dirt. She sees the hem of his garment. And because she's on the ground and she's not even daring to look up, I just picture her kind of like sneaking a peek and hearing rocks hit the ground and people walk away and all she sees is feet, the feet of Jesus, the feet of the man who brought her good news. You think his feet were beautiful to her that day? Do you have beautiful feet? Are you bringing the good news? I won't read these, these parables, but in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable about talents. In Luke 19, he tells a parable about minas. And both of them have the same conclusion. We're not all given the same amount, but we are all held accountable to do something with what we're given. And, and here we are, seeing that we will be based, our judgment will be based on what we have done with what we have been given. Do you see why the Jews were judged a little more harshly? Because they had been given the law? And I want to ask you this question. What are you doing with what you've been given? Some of you can barely get through church, right? You're like, this is the most boring thing I've ever done in my life, and I hate that. I hate it if I'm boring you. I don't want to bore you. But I do believe that we live in a world that has dulled our spiritual senses so that if anything that doesn't involve a movie, we check out on, right? Maybe that means I should just preach on a video. I don't know. But there's got to come a point where we're like, God, I'm hungry to be the one who proclaims the good news to people. Because right now I could ask you to list 10 people in your life that if they don't know Jesus and died would go to hell. Eternity literally rides on this. And we can pray about it all the time. We need to pray about it. But at some point God's like, if you don't go, they won't know. That rhyme, that should have been a good big idea. If you don't go, they won't know. And it's not to guilt us into going. Listen, y'all, if we're guilted into evangelism, we've not met the lover of our soul. I don't feel guilty talking about Wendy. Well, I bet, okay, I better tell him about my wife now. What? I want to talk about Wendy. She's changed my life. She changed me. She changed me. I will never leave her love. Right? She's changed me. I'm different because I met her. I don't have to be guilted into telling people that I'm married to her. So listen, if you're feeling guilted into evangelism, please don't tell anybody about Jesus. Please don't. Fall on your face and ask him to help you love him again in such a way that he pours out of you. That's what the world needs. What are we doing with what we've been given? This great, the Bible calls it 
such a great salvation. Would you close your eyes? If you're watching, still watching online, would you close your eyes? And would you just let that, let those two questions just kind of wash over your soul, right? That's how we're going to end this morning. Do I have beautiful feet? What am I doing with what I've been given? Let me just kind of walk you through this as you're praying and as, as you're asking yourself those questions. Would you think back to that human race off the coast of California? I want you to see yourself at the beach. I want you to feel the water hitting your toes. And I want you to be overwhelmed with the realization that you have no hope of making it to Hawaii. You jump into the water, you start swimming, you're giving it everything you've got. Your lungs are burning. There is no oxygen coming. Your head is starting to go under the water. You fight with everything you have just to get your head out of the water, get another breath, and then your legs are cramping, your feet are cramping. I want you to feel the moment when you know you're going to die. And then there's the boat. There's, there's the life preserver. It splashes in the water next to you. You put your hand in that ring. You save me. You save me. I will never leave your they start pulling you to the boat and you know you're going to live because you saved me you saved me I will never leave your love I want you to look at the faces of the rescuers as they pull you up into that boat and you've never been more thankful than in that moment you're not in the water anymore you had no hope, and now you have a hope. Because you saved me, you saved me. Now I will never leave your love. No. over you because you save me you save me I will never leave your looking at the face of the men, the women that saved you. And here's what I want you to, th I want you to hear this. I want you to hear splashing in the water. 
And it's like as happy as you were to be rescued, suddenly it dawns on you that you're one of a couple million. That there are people in the water still trying to make it to Hawaii. At this point, might have given up hope of Hawaii and just want to breathe. And the rescuer hands you a life preserver. Points you into another boat. And tells you to go and save. Go rescue. Snatch others from the fire. Be merciful to those who doubt. How will they know unless they are told? In that moment, what do you do? And it's like, how fast can I get the boat to the people who are drowning? God, forgive us for making a monument out of the life preserver, for putting it up on the walls of our churches and pointing to it every week and saying, that's the way I got saved. It's not meant to be looked at. It's meant to be used. And I pray that you would give us a heart as your body to go be about the Father's business of seeing people rescued who have no chance without Jesus. Church, I'm going to ask you to respond. My eyes are closed. This isn't about me. This is about you. If you're willing, then I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you to say, here am I. Send I'm in love I cannot remember what I was doing before I met you I've been captivated by a love that saved me I'm in love I cannot remember what I was doing before I met you I've been captivated by a love that saved Cause I'm in love, I cannot remember what I was doing before I met you. I've been captivated by a love that saved me. You saved, cause you saved me, you saved me. I will never leave your love.
sending you to. I know that as we were in our groups talking about what we're learning in Romans, a couple of people were talking about how God's already sent them to people. Just say their name. You don't have to say it loud. Just just lift their name to the Lord right now. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a neighbor. I want you to lift their name to the Lord because I believe this. As we lift names of individuals to the Lord, He gives us what that individual needs. He's going to give you the power to tell them about Jesus. Listen, we don't have to convince anybody. That's not our job. Our job is to say there's not a better way. There's a way. He is the way. He is the way. So, God, these names that have been lifted to you, we ask that you would empower us with the Holy Spirit. This is why Pentecost happened, so that we would be your witnesses, bold witnesses, God. And I pray right now that as we've lifted their names to you, as we've remembered how you saved us and that you're sending us on a rescue mission. I pray that it would be like our souls have just grabbed a hold of a live wire of the Holy Spirit. Like in our souls, you just lit dynamite and threw it in us and it blew up. And that nothing will ever be the same in us. Jeremiah said, it's a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary from holding it in. And I pray the release of that over this body. That this city... This county will never be the same because you saved us and then sent us. I pray that when people think of the gathering, they would think that place is full of beautiful feet because they are busy doing what the Father wants in the mighty name. Of Jesus, we pray. Amen.